Hi, this is Dave Dutton of Dave's Voice Works and Radio Guy Reflections and TurnbuckleTrash.net. Two great podcasts, one about professional wrestling and one about radio. And it's all on Anchor. Now, if you haven't heard about Anchor, here's a great way to make a podcast. Use Anchor. It's the easiest way to make a podcast because, hey, it's free. And they give all the creation tools that allow you to record and edit any podcast you'd like to do right from your computer. Use Anchor. Anchor, the best way to podcast and the best way to listen to Turnbuckle Trash or Radio Guy Reflections. Ladies and gentlemen, in just a few moments, we start our daily broadcast. Who listens to radio? Hi, I'm Dave Denton. I'm a radio guy, and even went by that name on the air in Missouri. This is Radio Guy Reflections. Radio Guy Reflections is brought to you by Dave'sVoiceWorks.com. Spell works W-O-R-X and find out how you can get Dave's voice to work for you. Previous guest on Radio Guy Reflections, Jack Parnell, one of the first DJs to play an Elvis Presley record on the radio. Talk show host Rod Arquette of KRNS in Salt Lake City. Richard Buckle, whose career spanned uh, the world because he started off in pirate radio on the coast of Great Britain and now runs a station in a resort town in Thailand. Now, today's guest is a Hall of Famer in San Antonio, Texas, a man who's worked in several major markets like Kansas City, Missouri, Los Angeles and San Diego, California, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and of course, San Antonio, Texas. Today, we reflect on radio with Stephen O. Sellers. Stephen, how you doing, my man? Uh, David, I am doing great. I'm so happy to talk to you and uh, really appreciate and am grateful for uh, what you're doing with your show here. This is uh, this is really great. Thank you for having me on here, sir. Well, we need to also thank AC Cantu for hooking us up, and she was a yeah. previous guest, and and uh, she's uh, been giving me several names and. You know, I, I just enjoy talking to, to people that have been in the business or are currently in the business because radio is a unique uh, opportunity to perform, to uh, to touch people's lives. And I, I, I think uh, we as radio announcers, DJs, whatever you want to call us, just plain old people, uh, sometimes we forget how we touch other people's lives. Have you found that? Wow, you know, you know what's funny uh, that you mentioned that is because in every market that I have been in, and we'll talk about that gypsy lifestyle maybe a little later because <laughs> yeah. that was that, that was the fun part of it. But in every market, uh, I still have friends. I mean, all the way back, uh, my my first shot at you know leaving San Antonio, leaving home, and and go into a bigger market was Pittsburgh in the seventies. And I still, I still know people from Pittsburgh that keep in touch with me. So yes, what you said is definitely true. And, uh, I'm, I'm grateful I got to be a part of that. So, uh, you told me you retired from uh, radio right before, uh, COVID hit and, uh, yeah, you, you said that you had a, another friend that you were going, wow, we just got out just in time before COVID. But that really affected the, the radio industry in, in great ways. But I think it also showed what radio can and cannot do in today's market because it has really changed from the time of the 70s when you were working in San Antonio and Pittsburgh. And I was 
you know, just starting my radio career in the mid seventies, but boy, there's been a lot of changes and some of them very positive and some of them not so positive. Uh, what have you found to be positive about uh, what has gone on in radio in the past years? Well, I think, you know, uh, this is something that occurs now that helps the bottom line and also helps, um, you know, keep the announcers who are still, you know, live healthy because, you know, I, I couldn't imagine going in during COVID. I mean, we all talked on the same microphone. I mean, what could be more grimy and germy? Than, <laughs> and, you know, you can't help but, you know, you're sometimes when you're talking on the air, your mouth bumps up against that microphone that somebody else has been talking into. So I think the advent of making it so much easier to do your show from a remote location, uh, you know, with a, a very small amount of equipment. And like, you're just like I am. You and I have done remotes with all kinds of crazy gear. Yeah. And and now it's just like a little box, you know, and they've, they've really got it down. They've got to where you can hear really well you know in real time without a lot of latency and delay and, and so for the on-air person i think that's great uh and positive for the company uh broadcast company and the bottom line is that they looked at this and they went why do we have these jillion dollar studios when these guys can do this from home you know and uh i think you know <laughs> I, I guess that's positive for, you know, the talent side, but certainly for the corporate side, I mean, more and more, there's a, a talk station here in San Antonio that for, I guess, a couple of years, they did all their talk shows remote. Uh, the The talk show guys were at home, and it was seamless. I was so impressed, you know, and uh, they just did their shows from their living room, much like you do your podcast. And I was just really impressed in that, uh, that technology. And so I think that the big companies are looking at that now, and the ones that have not already shed their big, expensive studios – are going to be doing so, and more announcers, talent, will be doing their shows from home. Mm -hmm. So I, I guess that's a, a positive point, and the the equipment is not terribly expensive, and it's small, it's compact, it's better than it used to be in terms of what the quality of the signal that goes out. And, of course, you have to hear, you know, you have to hear in your headphones what's going on, and that's all improved, I think. Yeah, it has. But with positives comes some negatives, and I think uh, we wouldn't be doing ourselves any kind of favors when we're talking about radio, is how technology and how all this over the past couple of years has affected the negative aspect of a, of a radio career because it has changed a lot from the times that we were just starting to here we are in 2022 and not of it's all positive. I mean, there's some negatives there. Don't you think there was a time and, and you know, this so well, and, and I hope your listeners can kind of, I hope I can paint a picture for them. When you 
<laughs> I hate to say in the in the olden days. Yeah. <laughs> but, well, go but ahead. It's olden days, you know. So <laughs> there you go. There you go. So you know, we would be in there. You're playing records, uh, actual records on the radio, and like you were busy. You know, you were. The record was running out. You're setting up your tape cartridges to play stop sets or jingles or whatever you're doing. Uh, you're busy for the whole four hours and uh, you had to be in the moment. There was no time for anything else. You had to be in the moment. And so today uh, with a, the advent of something called tracking, you know, I got to where I could record a four-hour show in 45 minutes. Right. And this, it sounds counterintuitive if you don't know the technology, but you're not playing the songs in real time. You're just kind of laying your voice <clears throat> in at certain times, and that's why you can, can do a four-hour show so quickly. So what happens is, is that, um, number one, from the talent point of view, there's just no way you can duplicate the excitement of everything going on in real time. Right. Uh, there's there's something electric about that that, you know, just is, well, you just can't duplicate it with recording. You just can't do it. And uh, the negative on the corporate side is that, you know, the bean counters look at this and go, hey, we don't have to pay a guy eight hours to hang around the radio station. Uh, he can actually track that from home. Uh, he can, you know, 45 minutes to do a show. We'll let him claim an hour and we can hire all part-timers for next to nothing. Right. Most, I would dare say most uh, people in radio broadcasting now, work part-time hours and get part-time wages. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not a, you know, when you and I were doing it, it was uh, a career. It was, you know, a path to, to something bigger. It was uh, a, a salary that you could feed your family uh, on. And so, yeah, that's, that's going, uh, you know, there's a couple of guys that do mornings and afternoons and the really good ones get to be syndicated, uh, and everything else for the rest <laughs> of the day, <laughs> who knows what's going on then. You right. know? Hey, uh, I, I was, I was just thinking about this while we were talking about the olden days way back when Yes, you're from Texas I and, am, and I'm from Memphis, Tennessee. And oh. those are two areas that are not known for not having accents. I mean, I had, you know, I can talk, I can even go back to my old Tennessee accent and talk like a hick, you know, and sure. Texas has an old accent. Did you have any difficulty getting rid of an accent uh, when you were just getting started in San Antonio? And I understand you went to a broadcast school. Is that correct? I did. Well, not really. I took some broadcast uh, courses in college okay. and before I was through in college, uh, by the second semester, I had gotten a full-time job in my dream station that I wanted to work for. I mean, the dream wow. station when I was 19 years old. Wow, <laughs> so, that's so, something. Yeah, yeah, so I so I quit college, but 
and and we'll get to that in a minute. I don't suggest that for anyone. But so anyway, as far as an accent, I have never even had that mentioned to me. And the funny thing is, mm-hmm. my bro when I talk to my brother, he just has that whiny Texas <laughs> accent, and, and I I can hear it. But I've never even had that mentioned to me, and oh, I wow. don't know. I don't know how. I have no, you know, I just don't have, that's a great question. I just don't have any idea how I lost it or if I, if I thought about it, I don't think I ever really even gave it any thought, to be honest. Well, I I was actually lucky because we had a high school station uh, in Memphis that uh, if you were in certain high schools, you could drive there and, and uh, they would teach you some radio and they'd let you be on the air playing disc jockey. But I remember one of the first things they ever did with me uh, because I did have a little bit of an accent. They sent me into a little, just a little studio that was just like a reading room with a cassette tape. And they had me reading Dick and Jane books out loud so they could teach me how to say words like I, mine, five, which, you know, sure. in the South, you go, I, mine, five, you know. And then yeah. when I, I, I went to college in Idaho, I guess that's where I got rid of uh, some of mine. But I, every once in a while, I'll be watching a TV show, uh, like swamp people, and I worked in Louisiana for a couple of years. Oh, you know, yeah. I, I I can get into that, you know, that 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 little Cajun accent, and and then get back into the Southern accent very easily if I watch those shows too much. But you know, it, it is something now that I think is going to be uh, a little bit more difficult because of the lack of a training ground for radio. There's very few people that start off like we did. Uh, I mean, I, I was doing six until midnight and I was cleaning studios and, and burning the trash, which we can't do anymore. But I was doing that kind of thing yep. just for the possibility of being on the air for a few hours. And that training ground is gone. It is. You know, I, I'll, I'll try to make this short. This is this is how I started. I, I was very interested in radio and music and I was in a little bitty town uh, called Kennedy, Texas, south of San Antonio. We had a 250-watt daytimer, and I was I was always interested in it. I was interested in music. And so when I was 13, I started taking guitar lessons from the only guitar teacher in town. And by the time I was 14, I, I was okay. I could play. And he had, on that little radio station, a Saturday afternoon live music program. It was 30 minutes long. It's sponsored by either Lone Star Beer or Pearl Beer, I, I don't remember. And he would cram his whole band into the spare studio and they would play. Well, I got good enough when I was 14 to um, to play on that show with him, you know? And they'd go, here's little Steve Sellers to play Wildwood Flower. You know, and I'd play, <laughs> I'd play Wildwood Flower. Well, I was always at the station on the weekend. So uh, when I was 15... The weekend shift came up, and it was all day Saturday and all day Sunday, and I, I got that. They asked me if I wanted it, and I did it. I didn't know I didn't know anything about what to do, but you made a great point working that 6 to midnight sh- shift, and maybe you were like me. Every weekend, all during high school, I worked every Saturday and every Sunday. I don't think uh, I missed more than one one weekend day of sick. I was never late. I was, I, you know, I never uh, took a, a weekend off. And, and, and when you're, you don't realize that when you're young, 
you are you're honing your craft every hour you're in that studio you're getting better and better you don't really maybe realize it but uh you know i did those long shifts too i used to work uh on on kono here in san antonio the first time i was there on the the am i would work six to midnight uh on saturday night six to midnight get off at midnight i would be back in six hours at 6 a.m. on Sunday, mm-hmm. I would be back uh, on and work until noon Sunday. So you're you're just it's like digging in a gold mine. You know, you're just working and working and working. You've done that. You're working and working so much. Uh, you're getting the job done. You don't realize it, but the experience you're gaining is it just can't be replaced. And, a great point that just is not available that on the job training which sounds kind of like a old term to me that on the job training is not available anymore you know it's just not available like that you know yeah and then another thing that i can see happening is uh uh you know you and i both talked a little bit about where we have been uh, you you know, you've been in California, you've been in Pittsburgh, you've been in Texas, you've been in Kansas City. Me, myself, I was uh, in uh, Idaho, Tennessee, Louisiana, Missouri, Utah. It's been a very transient uh, career, and I think a lot of us do that. When I talk to people about radio, I say, you know the song about WKRP going up and down the dial? That's what radio really was during that time frame. Let's talk about mom- where you've been. My mom used to tell me that song made her think of me, <laughs> and that made, that, that made me feel real good. Well, you know, it was a. It, there's nothing like it anymore. It was an absolute fun gypsy existence. You know, uh, you'd be at, at one station, and the idea was to get to a bigger station and make make more money. And some of the stations were, you know, union controlled, which means you made really, really good money and had some benefits. Uh, other stations were, you know, you made what well, you made, and there probably weren't a lot of benefits. When you're 22, 23, you know, you don't think about uh, health insurance or any any of that kind of thing. You know, you just you figure out what the salary is. Remote broadcasts and personal appearances mean a little more money. You could make a living and. Uh, that's what a lot of us, like yourself, is what we did. We tried to get to that next level. The way you did it is you sounded as good as you could right where you were and hoped that somebody noticed your hard work, and then you'd get a job offer, and then you'd go. Now, I I was extremely fortunate. You know, I don't know what exactly what your experience was, but my experience was I fell into some good fortune over and over. I mean, I fell into stuff, you know, I mean, absolutely fell into it from good luck. Absolutely. One of the first things I learned was my very first job out of state, which was at this big station in Pittsburgh, they paid for my move. Wow. And so um, I made that, I just made a little promise to myself, you know, 
I'm going to I'm going to ask for that whenever a station wants me to come. Uh, I'm going to say I want you to pay for the move and I want you to put me in a nice hotel until I find a place to live. But, you know, that's a really stressful time. You're you hit the air. You know, you try to hit the ground running. You've got to learn, you know, all the little suburbs and things to, you know, the quirks about the city that you're going to. Um, you are you're trying to, you know, keep in mind they just paid four thousand dollars for your move, and your hotel is two hundred and fifty dollars a week. You know, yeah. and you're trying to to do the best you can. It's it's a it's a lot of uh, pressure on you, but that just became something I asked for. It was not that I was that great of a talent or anything. It's just that like I I wouldn't move without those guarantees because I saw too many guys, you know, I actually saw guys load up the U-Haul, take their wife and their family and get to a place. And the job had been given to someone else in the meantime. And man, uh, I never went through that. I would, that's why I say good fortune. You know, I had good fortune. So you're going, you go from San Antonio to Pittsburgh, but also I saw on your, profile on Facebook that uh, you've done some work in California, Los Angeles, and San Diego. Those are not small markets, either one. Those are huge. Uh, What did you do in LA? Oh, it was the nuttiest thing. I I, I had a, you know, I I came back to San Antonio a couple of different times Mm -hmm. um, for for different reasons. Uh, The last time I came back to San Antonio in 1994, from San Diego, I came back because I had children that I wanted them to be around their grandparents. But I, I had hooked up with um, a radio partner named Greg Stevens at uh, a big rock station here in San Antonio called Kiss FM. It's the real Kiss FM. It's K I S S, or their actual oh. call letters. Yeah, and uh, it's huge here. Uh, huge heritage station. And so we were there doing mornings for several years. We got hired to go to Kansas City. Greg and I went together. Uh, Then we got hired after a year in Kansas City, we got hired to go to San Diego. So we were completely happy in San Diego. It's a great town. We were having a lot of fun. Uh, We both had families. So we did family things together, like going to Disneyland and stuff. And, And the funniest thing was, is the signal of the radio station uh, cut across the water uh, straight into Malibu, California, north of Los Angeles. And a um, an executive for Westwood One, which, was, uh, which owned Pirate Radio in Los Angeles at the time, could hear the San Diego station up in Malibu. And he liked our morning show, we, all this is going on. We don't know, you know, yeah. you know, we didn't know this guy was listening, but he's an executive at Westwood one. He's hearing us and he goes, you know, we need these guys for pirate radio in Los Angeles. So one day Greg comes to me and says, Hey, we got this job offer. And it was a really good offer. And, and of course I had always wanted, you know, with two places I wanted to work either Chicago or Los Angeles. And, and I went, well, I'm game, you know, and I talked to my family and they were ready. And uh, so we took the job. It was pirate radio. It was a FM owned by 
uh, Westwood One Broadcasting. They had two radio stations. This giant broadcast company owned a station in New York and owned a station in L.A. It was pretty pretty darn cool. And then, then they owned that huge network. I mean, for a while, they had Casey Kasem and American Top 40. They had sports. Uh, they had all kinds of stuff. So we we go to L.A. and we do the morning show. The, the cool thing about working with Greg Stevens is he would go in as half of the morning show and the program director, and I would be the other half of the morning show and the news director. And so over a period of about 12 years, I kind of became the rock and roll newsman to his, you know, his disc jockey guy. Uh And we had more fun. Uh, You know, we were at, at pirate radio a little over a year and then it sold to Viacom and they went to like an easy listening format. So all of a sudden, uh, let me tell you, being out of work in Los Angeles is not the most fun I've ever had, but, but it's, but you know, it's not the worst thing either. I mean, so anyway, um, yeah, we just did a morning show, you know, and the cool thing about that is, is like, you know, when you're, when you're in Baton Rouge or wherever you are, the, the, the bands and the celebs that come by are pretty cool. But when you're in LA, you know, like the local bands are Guns N' Roses and, Joe Satriani and and all the and Megadeth and all these guys that are coming by. Hey, I was in the neighborhood. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thanks for stopping by the station. You know, I mean, it it was so funny. I mean, it was great. It was it was like it was. I'm I'm really glad I did it, and I I got along great there. You know, I got along real fine. So yeah, so it worked out good. Well, we mentioned uh, Guns and Roses uh, brought up a memory of mine. I was a co-owner of a small radio station about halfway between St. Louis and Columbia, and uh, I was dating a girl that wanted to go see Guns N' Roses right outside of St. Louis, and I wasn't a big fan, but I yeah. relented, and that was the riot that happened in St. Louis at the Riverport Amphitheater. Oh, so wow. I, I get to see this riot taking place right in front of me when Axl Rose jumps off, and I got back to my radio station and I called the Missouri Network, which we were affiliate of, and I just did this little report. And later that day, I'm listening to KMOX in St. Louis, and there's my voice that had gone from my little town to Jefferson City, then to St. Louis, and it went all Uh, over CBS. And I'm going, where's my money, guys? I mean, I didn't see a penny. But still, it was kind of interesting to tie in that bit of rock and roll history to me. Oh, my my gosh. Yeah, that's a... That's a historic event, and you mentioned KMOX. You know, it's so funny. Uh, I know you're like me. I, I can can name off historic, you know, call letters and and frequencies and yeah. AM stations, and they're you know they're all syndicated now. There, there's a, there's a station here in San Antonio that, oh my gosh, it's it's they they do a great job. They're mostly mostly live and then it's a talk station it's mostly live and local and they turn 100 years old this month it's ktsa i actually worked for them at at uh, one point in the 90s and uh the my the station i consider my home station in san antonio kono will turn a hundred in about four years and like 
up around where you grew up, you know, W, uh, well, you were, you know, WSM was in Nashville, yeah. but uh, WMPS, you know, in Memphis yeah. and WIOD, I think it's WIOD. I hope that's right. Uh, hope I'm not getting that wrong. Uh, WHBQ you know, where Rick Dees uh, had his yeah. big break and yeah. HBQ uh, with uh, George. Um, George was, Klein. George Klein yeah. that was. And then on the TV, Haas, Haas Allen, was that uh -huh. his name? Yeah, yeah. Boy, you I know mean, you know what I'm talking about now. <laughs> That's cool. Well, you know, Mem Memphis was just tremendous. WDA, was it WDIA? DIA, yeah. Yeah, they, they uh, were so big in the the soul industry and the, the R&B. I mean, Rufus Thomas worked there and Carla Thomas. And that, that was yeah. one of my favorite radio stations because I grew up loving R&B. That you know, BB uh, King. BB uh -huh. King had a show, uh, as you mentioned, Rufus Thomas had just a show. You know, just a regular, un unbelievable. I remember BB uh, King telling a story. He wanted a he wanted a show on WDIA, and they had. Uh, I know you remember this product. Uh, I think it was. 60% alcohol or something had a call uh -huh. and uh, had a call was like a, a tonic, you know, and that cured everything. What it cured was uh, sobriety because <laughs> 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 there was yeah. so much alcohol. It was a, it was a nifty way to get your uh, adult minimum daily requirement of alcohol and by taking your medicine, but they told BB King, look, we got this product name had a call and if you can write a jingle for it you can have your a slot on wdia so he wrote had a call it sure is good you can get it anywhere in your neighborhood you know <laughs> and uh and they hired him yeah you know and he would go on and he'd play records but he would talk about his gigs you know he'd say well, i'm going to be at the whatever you know tonight in memphis uh, and just oh man memphis is just a great uh a great town and a great radio market, and of course, the Elvis stories you must know must must be endless. Yeah, quite a few. Uh, growing up in Memphis, I I had some some friends that uh, they were a little bit older. Than, uh, I guess family friends that actually went to Humes Junior High uh, with yeah. Elvis, and uh, then you'd hear stories about some of the the great things that Elvis did for. For others, uh, if you just indulge me just a little bit, my mother was a nurse at the hospital that uh, Elvis actually died in. But years before, uh, one of her coworkers was uh, at a car lot looking to buy a Cadillac. And who was on that same, cat, uh, same car lot was Elvis Presley. But my mother's friend was actually looking at the car that Elvis wanted. And Elvis says, if you'll let me buy you any other car on this lot, and I really want this one. So he wanted that car so bad, that caddy so bad, that he bought my mother's friend and co-worker another Cadillac somewhere oh on the lot. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, and you'd hear stories like that all the time. And driving right up, uh, you know, we used to pass by Graceland uh, going to yeah. our church. And it, if the gates were open, you were welcome to drive right up and see Graceland's front door and everything. If the gates were closed, you knew Elvis was there, and that's just the way the locals uh, reacted to it. But what a great music town. I used to actually, when I was working at a junkyard in high school, I'd have to ride a city bus and get down to Main Street 
And I had to transfer. Well, I found out that that transfer went right by Sun Records. Oh, yeah. So that transfer, I would run from where I got off on Main Street, run all the way to where Sun Records was so I could just stand there and look at all that music history. And that's just one of my favorite childhood. It was just awesome. But San Antonio has a great music history, too. Well, you know, it it does. Um, I'll tell you what. Uh, it has uh, there, there's several things here. I, I think the most, uh, gosh, I guess the most dramatic or the most historic. I don't know how many people know this, but you know the man that they do call the father of rock and roll, Rob, the blues man, Robert Johnson from Clarksdale, Mississippi, not too far from where you grew up. Uh, he recorded. Over half, I think, of the the thirty songs he recorded right here in San Antonio and around Thanksgiving, nineteen thirty six. Wow! I mean, right here, and it was at a hotel. And you know, there's a hotel here in San Antonio that uh, has claimed it. They have just taken it, taken over the legend. They have a plaque, you know, and they say, I think it's room four hundred four, uh, that they say where he did the recordings. Um, but I, you know, I mean, I know they've claimed it. I, I don't know if that's true. It's either the Gunter hotel, which has claimed it or a hotel that no longer exists anymore. That was on North St. Mary's and Martin streets called the blue bonnet. I kind of think it was the blue bonnet, but, but I don't know. So, but anyway, that did happen here with a, uh, record uh, producer named Don law who did the, uh, who did the recordings in that hotel room, their landmark recordings, uh, that happened here. The other thing, though, but in, in terms of radio, uh, the oldest station, uh, KTSA, in the 50s and 60s was owned by an impresario, a guy, a broadcast impresario named Gordon McClendon. Mm-hmm. And he owned um, KTSA in San Antonio, KILT in Houston, KLIF in Dallas. And that if you look at a map of Texas, that forms a triangle. They called it the Texas Triangle of, of radio stations. And he was so creative, and he demanded creativity from his jocks. And he also, he, along with a guy named Todd Stores, were, are credited with inventing the Top 40 format from going into dives and bars and juke joints and noticing that people played the same records on the jukebox over and over. And they took that as, you know, oh, oh, okay, well, let's do that on the radio and see what happens. And Mm -hmm. that was, you know, real, real entertainment because, you know, the reason it was important is because radio – you know, had gone from live bands, live orchestras, live everything in their their cavernous studios to playing records. And they had to, to make it entertaining somehow. And man, Gordon McClendon took took off running. So because that KTSA is here in San Antonio, it was also the first station in, in San Antonio in 1922, 100 years ago. I mean, that that's landmark, uh, you know, historic, radio lore right there so and, and uh, in terms of music i mean we've got you know 
I could go on and on, but I but I won't. But yeah, we've got we've got some history too, kind of kind of like Memphis. Now we don't have Elvis <laughs> type <laughs> history, but but you know we're kind of there. We're kind of there. We'll come back with more with Stephen O. Sellers in San Antonio, Texas. We'll find out why it is important to know your market and the little idiosyncrasies of language. It's all coming up as we continue on this edition of Radio Guy Reflections. It's the world of professional wrestling. Hi, I'm Dave Dutton. I'm one of those lifelong fans. Christopher Evans joins me and Zane Peterson as we talk about what's going on in the world of professional wrestling from a little bit different perspective than a lot of the podcasts out there. The following contest is scheduled for We know what we like, and sometimes we talk about things we don't like. You stupid idiots! You might even find a chance to laugh at some of the things we do. Who are you calling Rudy Tootie Booty? It's Turnbuckle Trash. It's available on many of these same podcast channels. Join us. Turnbuckle Trash are also on Facebook and TurnbuckleTrash.net. This is Radio Guy Reflections. Too many people in this business who think that they're, uh, I guess it's a podcast, their stuff doesn't stink. You know, it's just like, (laughs) hey, look. We're all just enjoying the game. We're all just having a good time. Sports are supposed to be fun. Don't take yourself too seriously. Let's go have a good time and really uh, paint a great picture for the fans out there. I wanted to be me. I didn't want to put on a show. Well, you know, I wanted to obviously a show, but I didn't want to be fake on the air. Um, what you what you get is what you, you know, get. That would be a fascinating career. I, I want to witness history in a way and see it and tell the compelling stories of it. Uh, when did you find out uh, he is autistic? When you get that diagnosis, it's not necessarily a shock to you, but it's validating how you've been feeling. I can't imagine what the future of talk radio could have been, or would have been, had Rush not come along when he did. This is Radio Guy Reflections. Let's talk a little bit about uh, radio in uh, San Antonio, because... I know when I was living in Missouri, now this is going to be kind of strange to you, but I'm a big sports fan. And there was an area when I would drive from mid-Missouri into Memphis, I can't remember where it was, but I could actually pick up a station out of San Antonio. And I remember listening very many times to San Antonio Spurs broadcast and I, I don't know why that stuck in my mind, but I remember hearing all the San Antonio IDs and all the San Antonio uh, different different announcers on this. And then I moved to Utah and become a Utah Jazz fan. So I got to ask you, Jazz and Spurs, how important is that in San Antonio? I don't know anything about sports. In fact, <laughs> <laughs> I ask a bad question. No, no, you ask you ask a great you ask a great question. Uh, it's just that I don't know. Any, uh, I feel like I feel like I uh, some of the people in those Senate hearings where they never answered the question yes or no. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great response. Yeah, yeah but uh, in fact, you know, I I like to do some self-deprecating humor about myself. Wow. I have a friend who likes hockey, and and he'll put a picture of some hockey player and. 
on Facebook and say, Hey, guess what? The, the whoever's beat the whoever's, you know, I, and all, and all yeah. my response will be, is this sports? Uh, and, <laughs> but the Spurs are just huge. This, the, I mean, you know, and, um, this even for a non-sports fan like myself, uh, Spurs are huge. I've been to I've been to Spurs games. I've followed them. Uh, you know, we're we're in a I don't know what kind of period we're in now, but you know, I come from the the era of all the way back to George Gervin to uh, oh, David yeah. Robinson to um, Tony and uh, all all of those guys, and of course, I think. Coach Popovich's been the coach since I was born, or something. Yeah. You know, yeah, just forever. It's ma- it's just ma- it's just massive. You know, and like that was one of the things um, we have. We had a great program director that at Kono that was one of the most insightful people I've ever known. You know, and and that was one of the golden rules: talk about the Spurs, talk about the Dallas Cowboys. You know, and those were the two things that uh, you could never do too much of. You know, I think the station you probably listened to was WOAI. Does that sound right to you? Yeah, I think so. That's yeah. the station, the second station on the air in San Antonio. It, you know, wow. they used to have, you know, and I don't want to get too techno- technical. They used to have um, Clear Channel, what they call Clear Channel stations. What that was, it was a network of 50,000-watt stations, and they were the only stations uh, on that frequency across the country. And the reason they had them was, you know, as kind of a, a national network and, and for defense purposes, too, if there was a national disaster. You know, uh, you could probably hear in some part of the country one of these 50,000-watt stations on a Clear Channel. They don't have Clear Channel stations anymore, but, you know, uh, I I have heard stories uh, for in World War II, soldiers, uh, you know, veterans would tell me they'd be in the Philippines or something, and uh, they would hear WOAI. It was it was a little piece of home for them, you know. So wow. yeah, that was a that was a massive massive station in its day. So in in San Antonio uh, itself, uh, you've got the the Riverwalk. You've got, uh, of course, the historic aspect of uh, of the the Alamo. Uh, there's there's so many cultural things that go in San Antonio. Are the arts still big there? It's it's massive, you know, and that is one of the things I like about uh, San Antonio. Uh, the, you know, there's two places I've lived that are just their own places. They just have their own stamp, you know, San Antonio, Texas, and and California. They're just their own their own universe. Uh, Pittsburgh, to some degree. Uh, Kansas City, uh, not so much for me anyway, not not so much for me. But, um, you know, we have the, the Spanish influence. There's so much Spanish history to learn from because, you know, I'm I'm a couple of hours from the Mexico border right now. You can go to Mexico anytime you want to and, and you know, just just a couple of hours. And, you know, Mexico, uh, I don't want to act like I'm uh, giving everybody a history lesson, but it switched back and forth from Spain to Mexico so many times that that's a, that's a real, a real interesting bunch of history and how, how Texas became part of the USA is, is really big because up until 1846 or 1836, really uh, 
Texas was part of Mexico, that the state, you know, Mexico has states and the, this gigantic state that, that included Texas, parts of northern Mexico, and even parts of New Mexico up to Santa Fe was called Coahuila and Texas. And then, you know, the Battle of the Alamo happened in 1836, was the same year that uh, – also, Texas declared its independence from Mexico, and Texas was its own country for 10 years until it became a state in 1846. And that that Hispanic culture is just so evident here, and I absolutely love it. It touches everything from, from music to art to, to the people that I just absolutely love. I mean, you cannot, you cannot escape it. Uh, it touches music. It touches cuisine. Um, I have a, a friend that I make TikTok that I'm going to make some TikTok videos with. She's a mariachi, and she plays an instrument called the guitarron. And it looks like a guitarron is a guitar that looks like it has a glandular condition because it's, mass, it's huge. <laughs> it's this massive uh-huh. guitar. And... Um, She's this petite, beautiful young Latina who plays this massive guitar in it. And the thing about the music in San Antonio is like the mariachi music, especially if you play the guitarron or the guitar or you know whatever it is, the accordion. When you take the lessons, you don't just don't learn to play songs. There's certain ways that you play it, like the guitarron is a bass guitar, really. There's certain ways that you you snap the strings, you don't pick them, and that's all passed down. So you are, gosh, how can I put this? There, there are cultural things that you learn as well as the musical things that you learn, and um, that just is pervasive in every part of life in in san antonio and it's uh it's it's awesome most everybody here um speaks you know i don't know what you call it spanglish or or something Uh we speak half english half spanish you know there's right around me i mean within walking distance of me I, i there's little restaurants that i go to that i love and most of the waiters and waitresses don't speak English. And so you have to know a few words and it's really fun because you, because they'll laugh at you when, you know, when you mispronounce something Uh, (laughs) and and it's, it's just fun, you know, and that's kind of the way San Antonio is. It's it's pretty light and pretty fun and uh, you know, culturally diverse. Absolutely. You mentioned something when we were talking about sports, when I asked you that terrible question, (laughs) But you you did mention about your program director saying you talk about the San Antonio Spurs and the Dallas uh, Cowboys, isn't it? Do you find that as much in today's radio uh, when they're really trying to talk and and relate with their listeners as much? Because of course you know Dallas Cowboy fans there, San Antonio Spurs, uh, Houston Astros base, baseball, all in that area, they're just huge. But I, I'm wondering how much that is being lost now that we're going to the voice tracking. Uh, is that local relatability as important anymore to you? Gosh, you know, I, I think the sad part is is that people get the info somewhere else. I, I'll give you an example. This used to really, really burn me. Um, the last 
job I had, which was really fun. Uh, I was back on Kono AM, and they had switched to uh, uh, an oldies format, and it was it was designed by my friend and the program director Roger Allen, who, by the way, is from Memphis, and you should meet you okay. should meet and talk to him because he's a a wonderful, bright, brilliant guy. Um, and so he designed this format, and it was so fun, and he did such a great, great job with it. And so I, he brought me on to do mornings and to – the idea was to make this station uh, <clears throat> as uh, cost-effective as possible, which I was cool with. I mean, <clears throat> excuse me. I was at the point in my career to where it really didn't – you know, that was fine with me. I, I got that. I, I didn't mind being part-time, and I didn't mind tracking. So here's what I would do. I'd go in at 3 in the afternoon and track the morning show for the next day. There are certain things. I mean, you know, I tried, tried to your point, I tried my very best to make it sound live in every possible way I could think of. I put a lot of thought and a lot of work into it. To where people would think, well, Steve's right there this morning, you know, I mean, every little nuance. But here's the one thing that drove me crazy. Two things. First of all, the weather, you can never quite get it right. You know, AccuWeather will tell you, you know, what the temperature is going to be the next morning at, at 7 and 8. And so you can kind of say the temperature and, and keep up. But, you know, if a stray shower comes in or something, well, you're screwed and you sound like a moron. You know, that really bothered me in terms of sports. Here's what bothered me. You could never give the, the Spurs score from the night before because you were you were already doing your show at three in the afternoon, four hours before uh -huh. the game started. So, you know what I mean? You could never give the score. Of, yeah. of the night before because you didn't know it you could you you know like on the morning show you know you say hey last night the spurs beat the utah jazz 99 to 98 or something okay you can't uh -huh. do that when you're tracking the morning show because you don't know what the score is yet you could go in at 10 o'clock at night um and do it but i frankly i didn't want to do that you know <laughs> I, I, I just brother. didn't want it for the money I was making, you know, I mean, I was dedicated and all that happy stuff, but I just, you know, I didn't want to do that. So I thought to myself, what can I do? What can I do that's positive? And I thought, okay, well, instead of going backwards, go forward. Don't, don't idea. talk about the score from last night. They already heard it on the news at 10 o'clock the night before. Talk about the next game. You know, right. hey, Spurs tonight hosting Utah Jazz, you know, blah, blah, blah. Uh, last night already happened. You know, the Monday night game happened Monday night. Everybody already got the score. It's Tuesday morning. Talk about the Tuesday night game. Go forward. Right. Keep it. Keep moving forward. That's the only way, you know, I found to deal with it. It drove me crazy. You know, it, it drove me crazy every time I did it. To your point. Yeah, you you have you have to lose something, and um, there's like you know like we were saying earlier, when you're in there, you're doing the show live, you're talking to 
you're talking to listeners on the phone, you know, and they're calling up and saying, Hey man, how about those spurs, you know, and which might give you an idea or you might have, you might record them going, Hey, how about those spurs? And then over the next little uh, music intro, you play them back going, Hey, how about those spurs? And you go, yeah, spurs won uh, tonight, you know, <clears throat> or last night or whatever. Uh, so yeah, you, you know, you lose, you lose something doing all that tracking, unfortunately. <laughs> but Steve, but Steve, you, you made a good point. I mean, I, I, and I never really thought about this, but you gave me a good idea. If you're doing that, don't look back at last night, look forward. Now I really like that, that you came up with that idea because you know, you, it, that is a limitation of what has become radio now uh, because of uh of everything that's going on with the social media, they're going to know that that, uh, that game last night, they're going to know what that yep. score is and they're going to know what the weather is. One of the things that drives me crazy when I go to a bigger market to listen, and this happened to me in Salt Lake city was traffic reports. Oh, And once it, once in Salt Lake city, I'm at a certain intersection. I mean, I'm right at the intersection. They're talking about a major accident and it's going to be a 20 minute delay. If you're in, that intersection and that's where i was and i was going there's nothing here yeah and it just made me think what in the world why are they doing this so far in advance and i'm sure they just didn't update their report like they should have but <laughs> boy that aggravated me you know i just i just would oh i did i didn't like it at all and i know it's like you know they probably had a syndicated uh, little service that did that dropped it in but Boy, that was accurate. Oh, let me tell you. Let me tell you what happens in San Antonio, and I'm right there with you. There is a station here that, um, you know, there are, um, you know, just just for the listeners of your podcast, there are companies that offer news and, and traffic, and you know, they used to be in every city. Well, they shrunk down, and there's a station that uses a service for traffic now that's based in Dallas. And so you wouldn't really know that by the sound. I mean, the, the quality of the sound is great, but here's the thing about San Antonio. There are giant, you know, beautiful Hispanic culture here, which means street names um, and that sort of restaurant names and all that sort of thing. Uh, give an example. There's, um, an every area of town called La Vita. La Vita is historic. It means the little village, and it's the original starting place of you know San Antonio, where you know people started living here uh, when they first started living in San Antonio. La Vita is just my example. There's also a street named La Vita. So anyway, that's how you say it, La Vita. It's a Spanish word, and so you know. When you when you're listening to traffic and that traffic person from Dallas goes, hey, it looks like a big tie-up around La Valletta. You gotta gotta <laughs> avoid that La Valletta area, you know. Or uh, you know, there's uh, the market square is called El Mercado. It means uh, the market, El Mercado. You know, beware the uh, El Mercado. El Mercado area has got a lot of traffic in it this afternoon. I mean, you, you know, I'm just like you. You hear that and you go. Oh my God! You know, <laughs> mm -hmm. and I think yeah, we have a TV station in Salt Lake City that has some recently got some new announcers there, 
And I, I wish I could remember what she, I, I know what it was, a, a little area, a little town real close to me called Tremonton, but it's spelled Tremonton. Oh. And she called it Tremonton. And then Pocatello, Idaho, I've heard some of the people in Salt Lake. I mean, that's fairly close. Pocatello, Idaho is not Pocatello. <laughs> you know, that's what, you know, and, and th- it just, I, I just remember when, especially when I moved here to Utah and met my, my future wife, uh, I remember driving around with her 28 years ago, driving in the community and saying, how is that pronounced? Give me yeah. some history of, of what's going on in this area. You know, I found out Baldwin, uh, the Oregon company used to build things here. The DeLorean car company had parts made here. Uh, Phil Olson, the actor, the football player, uh, I, I mean, yeah. Merlin Olson, his brother, uh, from here, I would I would just pump her up and say, well, you know, what kind of celebrities were here? Who went on from this and, you know, and, and sports stars? So I could get the history of the town. And I think when you're talking about these other services, that's what they miss out on, that, you know, mispronunciation of words. And I'm not perfect at it by any means because I, I can mispronounce a name in a heartbeat, but I learned that very important when I lived in central Louisiana and all those French names used to drive me nuts. You know, when I was, uh, when I was at Kono before I went to Pittsburgh, I got a job. I had a job offer from Montreal and, um, I really wanted to go and it would have been, it's good that I didn't go because it would, number one, it would have been culture shock. And number two, like some some stations here in San Antonio <clears throat> will speak like half Spanish and half English. And at this right. particular station at the time, they would speak like half French and half English. And uh, I mean, for a boy from South Texas, I mean, that would have been uh, it would have been just awful. I, I that what right. happened was is the the general manager that was going to hire me left before he had a chance to hire me. And it was so fortunate that I, you know, and I was crestfallen, you know, but I, I was, it was so fortunate I didn't go. But I know that you did just like I did when I got hired somewhere. Say, okay, we want you here in two weeks. Okay, man, I would get a, a map. I would get the Rand McNally Atlas and and go. Okay, yeah. Pittsburgh. What are some of the surrounding places? Moon Township, uh, Sewickley, mm-hmm. uh, Shinleyville, uh, you know, Brownsville, uh, Greensburg, Monroeville. And I would, man, I would study. I would study like I had my geography midterm coming up. You know, all right. And you so you can hit the ground running and go. Hey, just got a call from Monroeville uh, out of Monroeville Mall. Hey, thanks for listening to WPEZ in Pittsburgh. Appreciate it. You know, you 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 could not go. You could not go in there and go. Uh, you know, and I would hear. Oh God, this would drive me crazy. And I bet you heard guys like this. You know, that hit the air in a new town like in Pittsburgh and go. Well, here I am from San Antonio. You know, sure is different from San Antonio, Texas here in Pittsburgh. You know, in San Antonio, we like Mexican food. Right. <laughs> it's like, oh right. man. You, oh no! Don't do that. You have to sound like you have have been there forever and ever and ever. You know. Yeah, because you're touching these people's lives, and they they want to know that you're one of yes. them, and that's that's a big important thing in in our industry. Uh, that I, I sound like I'm I'm bitter, but I'm really not. But I I hope that we can get back to a point where there's some more training for some of these announcers instead of waiting for someone to get big and then go and syndicate it because 
That training ground to me is so important for the next uh, 40 years of radio. And I just don't see it happening out there. You know, podcasts have taken over and such, a, you know, and like, I, I'm happy. I'm happy for that in that, you know, it gives some young people coming up uh, uh, a bit of that, that training ground. Although I, I hear things on, right. on podcasts that kind of, you know, strike me wrong. And then I go, no, you know, Steve, it's not the same. It's not the right. same kind of thing. It's a different palette that you're painting on, you know, and, and so, you know, then I have to kind of, kind of rethink it. But I think that, uh, podcasts are, are like yours are great. And, uh, it's man, it's the uh, radio sure is an offering is an offering that, you know, that kind of one-on-one -on -one communication that we're having right now that we're having, with your listener, radio doesn't really. Radio just kind of throws it on the wall and then sees what sticks, and then and then plays the commercials, you know. And so, it's really uh, it's it's really kind of a kind of a a cool thing, you know. When when you and I were starting in radio, you you know there was nothing. Uh, the this is what really is astounding to me. There was nothing like a podcast. You, you couldn't start a radio station in your house. You know, I mean, you had to go to the radio station, just like, you know, I'm a musician too. And like you, you the dream of going to a studio and making a record. I mean, you went to the studio. Now you can record with, with the quality uh, in your house that, some recording studios have you would never think of making a recording in your house or making a radio show in your house that you'd call a podcast so you know in a way i guess that's you know that's a great thing well Stephen, as uh we start to wrap this up because i've realized you know we're both got some things we need to do but this has been a fascinating conversation i wanted to ask you what is going on you said you're a musician you retired from retired from radio now uh, what are you doing now for your to, to fill your days, and do you have any projects in the future? Yes, well, you know, I I do some voiceovers, and uh, you know, I can do those at home. That's really that's really fun. I do a lot of them for free. Uh, I find here, uh, you know, I'll make this point, and I'll make it really quick. I love little no hometown radio stations, you know. And if hometown right. radio stations that are still serving their community contact me and say, "Hey, would you record this promo? Would you record this spot?" You know, I don't, I don't charge them. You know, uh, I just do it because I love that kind of radio. In terms, in terms of music, uh, my daughter and my son and my grandson uh, are all musicians, and um, so we're all making music on some. On some, in some way, uh, my son and I really like uh, to play music together. I, I'm on TikTok. I wish people would look me up, Stephen O. Sellers on TikTok, because I do goofy uh, uh, little videos all the time on on TikTok. And uh, I wish they would look me up on on Facebook and Instagram. Just my name, Stephen, middle initial O. Sellers, you know, and you can kind of see. But I I play around here uh, locally and. And I love, uh, you know what, uh, after I left radio, I realized, you know, I would be maybe working a, a gig and, and like, 
I could, I could, I would put together the set list. I decided what songs we were going to play instead of a, a consultant, you know, and I got a lot out of that. And I got a lot out of seeing people in person enjoy it, you know? So there's a lot, I get a lot back from that. I get a whole lot back from that. Well, you know, when you just talked about doing the things for the small radio station, I worked in a little town called Paris, Tennessee, and uh, one of the things that they did, and I recently had uh, a representative from uh, the uh, from this organization there, they had something at the radio station WTPR called the Helping Hands Radio Auction, where they would go to the community, uh, get baked goods, handmade goods, businesses would donate it, and the radio station would give them upwards of eight or nine hours a day to auction off all these right, items. And right. they, they just did this in, uh, I think it was January and February, maybe early, into early March, and they raised almost $200,000 wow. for local charities. And I think that's one of the things that radio has, and, and maybe it's because the cost and you got to have talent, you got to have equipment, but radio has lost that ability to say, you know what, we need to serve our communities a little bit better. And and if anybody wants to go back and uh, listen to that podcast, it's on many of the same podcast network. But uh, that's one of the things I like about small market radios, that they still really get involved with their community. And to be honest with you, if they want to survive, they've got yeah. to do that kind of thing. That's the kind of radio I absolutely love. Uh, I'm on some stations uh, in New Mexico on a, on a regular basis. And I go over there just because I, I like, I like going over to New Mexico and, I, and, you know, it, it just, I don't ever charge them. It just, it's a thrill to, to do something for stations that like you say, serve their community. And, um, you know, I'm always, always open to that. To me, that's the hope, you know, to me, that's the absolute hope of, of the little AM radio stations that are left. You know, go ahead, you know, uh, you know, either trade out or, you know, get some local people on there to, to do the shifts and and serve the community. And I, I think they can I think there's a place for that. You know, I really do. Yeah, I, I do, too. Well, Stephen, uh, once again, uh, tell people how they can uh, contact with you, uh, get connected with you on social media. Oh, I sure hope they do. Uh, on Facebook, I'm just Stephen, middle initial O. Sellers and also on Instagram, uh, I think it's Steve Seller, Steve Sellers, 40, Steve Sellers, 1949 or 49. I think, I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> and, and on, <laughs> look it up. You'll find uh, it <laughs> on TikTok, where I do a, a kind of the comedy stuff. It's it's Stephen O. Sellers. You might also find me. I have like an alternate name, which is a joke. It's a Spanish joke. My name. On TikTok is Chewy, C-H-U-Y, which is Spanish for Jesse, Chewy Praline, P-R-A-L-I-N-E. Now, to Spanish people, that's a joke because, number one, Chewy means Jesse, but also Chewy Praline is a candy in, that you can get in San Antonio, Texas. When you go to pay your ticket at the cash register, they always have a big basket of Mexican candy. And a Ooh. chewy praline <laughs> is a candy. So, all right, so that's the joke, chewy praline. 
but you can find me on. T- I hope people will reach out because I, you know, I, I would love to connect with you and I, with people. I'm so honored that you asked me to be on here. This has just been so fun, and I appreciate it so much. Well, Stephen, you know, I just love talking to to people that have been in this industry even even today because I respect what what they're doing. Although I I find myself complaining a lot, and I don't want to 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 sound like I don't appreciate what they're doing is they're just dealing with situations and technology that that we didn't have to deal with then. And then you, you said the bean counters yep. because they are in a business, but still you know, I, I think that there's things that we can learn from each other uh, when uh, you're talking about how things were done old school and how things were done uh, are done today. I, I found myself fascinated a couple of years ago when we had a, a new uh morning team come in on our CHR station and how well that I found that they were doing and I had become complacent uh-huh. uh, in my own delivery. And I, I, I said, you know what? I can do better. So I, I, I researched, I did some things and started doing them a little bit differently. I don't have all the answers. I don't think you have all the answers. I don't think there's anybody and I'm completing, I'm going to include every consultant that might listen to this you don't have all the nope. answers because there's more than one way to skin a cat. And I, and I learned something from you today uh, when you said, you know, look forward if you're doing all yep. this uh, voice tracking thing. And I, I appreciate it. And any of your friends in radio, I'd love to talk to them. And I'd love to get you involved with our Radio Guy Reflections uh, Facebook page and, and things like that. I I've just been a, it's just been a fascinating uh, talk to, to you today. This has been so fun for me. Um Thank you for including me. Thanks for keeping that flame alive. <laughs> you know, there's still some of us who, who remember that stuff and can appreciate it. And, uh, uh, you know, what you're, what you're doing is a, a great thing. And, uh, you know, uh, have me back sometime. We'll, we'll have to catch up someday. Oh, that would be uh, fantastic. I'd love to do that. And, and your friend that you said that was from Memphis, uh, get me hooked up. If you know how to get in touch with him, send me an email or something and, I'd love to talk to him about Memphis radio back in the day. That'd be a lot of Will fun. do. Will do. Okay, Stephen, thank you so much. And if you'll hang on the phone with me just a second, I'll just wrap things up. We'll have more from our um, our podcast called Radio Guy Reflections. We try to do one about every two weeks. And we just added a new a little podcast. We call it 3W News. That's where I take a look at some of the weird, wacky, and wild news stories of the day and put just a little spin on them. It's not political. It's just fun stuff. And that's all part of Radio Guy Reflections. Stephen O'Sellers, thank you so, so much for joining us. And we'll send you a link to this podcast. And uh, if you'd like to share this on any of your social media, you're more than welcome. And any of your friends, I would love to uh, to talk to them also. And Thank you, AC, for hooking us up. And that's Radio Guy Reflections, a podcast about radio and the people behind the microphone. In future podcasts, we'll look at what makes us successful and sometimes a train wreck of a radio show. As we say in the radio business, if you put that on the radio, people will listen to it. We'll talk with people who started in radio and moved on to success in other fields. Radio Guy Reflections will be back soon with another show about radio and the men and women who produce the radio programs you've loved to listen to. Radio Guy Reflections is a production of Dave's Voice Works.